really warm welcome to episode 60 of Purposely Podcast with Melanie Sharma Barrow, founder of Ludo Consulting, which advises individuals and companies on diversity. Melanie is also an activist. She was introduced by a past guest who described her as one of the bravest people he knew. Melanie is also a former lawyer, born in Britain, now residing in Auckland, New Zealand. with people having coffee and croissants and having training. What I'm about is being able to talk to you about discrimination, how it feels, how you can look out for it, how you might be making people feel. When I left school, I went to London and I went to the big city. I think that desire to, that Welsh, kind of down-to-earth desire to always talk to people, find out what's going on in their lives, has actually fed through to the career that I have today. Purposely Podcast, speaking with social entrepreneurs and charity founders and leaders, people who are making the world a better place. Here's your host, Mark Longbottom. Melanie, a really warm welcome to Purposely Podcast. You're the founder and uh, director of Ludo Consulting. What's its mission? The mission is basically to help people and to help people with their quality of life, mostly in the workplace, but I also assist people in their personal circumstances as well. And it's to um, also facilitate and deliver the message of discrimination to decision makers uh, and people who can make a difference to the people who are being discriminated against. About helping any business, any organization, any school, any outfit with diversity and culture. You believe in activism, don't you? Absolutely, 100%. Um, and I believe in activism because I actually think it's in my, I actually think it's in, in my DNA. Um, I, I think I've always been a bit of an activist. I've also been a bit, bit of somebody who wants to get stuck in and call things out. It's not about being on social media. It's not about clicking a like. It's not about um, forwarding a tweet. It's about actually connecting to people and connecting to them about what's important to them and then actually acting on that, get to the level of what, what I do at Ludo Consulting, it's, it's actually big things. It's about actually making those tough communications to decision makers at organizations and saying, are you aware that your practices are leading to some A, B and C for these people? Um, which is actually quite, it's quite a far out thing to do in, in, a, in the modern world where we see organizations being shamed on the internet but it's actually easier to shame someone on the internet internet than it is actually to send somebody a communication to say i see that you're doing this uh why are you doing this and have are you aware that these are the problems that your actions have had for people in these communities whether they be lgbtq whether they be of a certain color of a certain race migrants activism is called activism right it's not called winning 
Okay, that's, and it's not, it's, if it was called winning, then it would be called winning. So activism is basically something that you do when you detach yourself from the outcome. It highlighted racism in a school, for example. Um, and I wrote, and I have written articles about this as well. And in so doing and in so writing those articles, I had a lot of people criticizing me for the racism that I highlighted because they thought the racism didn't exist. But at the same time, that work facilitated some really good outcomes for children who were on the receiving end of that racism, whose parents were in a position to then go and make better choices for them. So for me, any activism that I do that involves an outcome that works out better, especially for a child, is brilliant. Encourage everyone to be an activist and we all have it within us. You're of Indian descent, born in Britain, now living in New Zealand, married mm -hmm. to a Kiwi. Take us back to your childhood. I was born and raised in Wales, um, in South Wales. I had a really privileged life. I went to, a lo I went to the, I call it the local private school because it wasn't a posh private school. Um, but I think there is definitely something very much about the Welsh people who like to say things as they are and tell it like it is. They have a bit of humor about them. Um, and then the other thing about the village mentality, I mean, I'm talking, I'm from South Wales, okay? Um, I'm from a, I was born in um, Carmarthen, but my father and mother moves to a place called Cumbran near, near Newport, um, Gavin and Stacey territory. Okay. And um, it's definitely a place where people don't really mince their words. And I often joke to my husband, who's, as you, as you know, he's a Kiwi. When we go to Wales, he's flabbergasted by how when we're walking through the village, people will just tell you anything about their life. You know, you, you know, you, if, you, if you know somebody and you're from the village, you know, they will say, oh, I mean, they'll tell you what their medical issues are if you give them long enough. Um, and I think that these kind of environmental um, these things that you're surrounded by in your environment, I think you take them in. Um, and so then even though I did, uh, when I left school, I went to London and I went to the big city. I think that desire to, that Welsh kind of down to earth desire to always talk to people, find out what's going on in their lives has actually fed through to the career that I have today. Um, not so useful in the corporate city environment, but, um, you know, it, I had a great time being a lawyer too, so I don't really want to diss that. And I traveled yeah. a lot being a lawyer as well. Um, but that was pretty much my background. Both, and both my parents worked, my dad was a doctor and my mother's a scientist, my dad's a doctor and my mother's a scientist as well. Um, and I think as well, going to, I, I was, I had a, I went to school where a lot of time was put into me, but I was always as well, I mean, my, when I think about my interest in education, I look back at my education and I feel that I was always given a chance. And I also feel that I was educated. I mean, Wales is, when I was growing up is predominantly white. I was never made to feel like an outsider to the point that it got in the way of my outcomes. Um, you know, and if you fast forward to where we are today with the whole Black Lives Matter movement, everything that's happening in the UK as regards racism and everything that's happening in New Zealand, when you see that an educational sector can get in the way of outcomes for children, that's when people need to intervene. Um, and yeah. if I look back at my own childhood, I had quite the opposite. Um, you know, and I, you know, even though I did go to a private school, I went to, I mean, the, the boy who was head girl, of, the head boy of my school was 
the parents were fruiterers, they were grocers, you know, it was, it wasn't, you know, people with silver spoons in their mouth, but everyone was given time and empowered. easy for me to come to New Zealand and go and get myself a job in one of the big law firms because I was working in big law firms in London and I thought well before I do this why don't I go and have a some careers coaching and I had seven hours with a um, careers coach here in on in in on College Hill and it was really good my skills were dissected uh, I was at the time I was just approaching um, 40, about 37 or 38. It's a great time to just look at your skill set and how your skill sets have changed over the years and the work that you've done uh, and had a deep social conscience um, and did liked working with people. So that is what led me into having the courage to go and work at the Citizens Advice Bureau uh, and work with their volunteer staff which is a big transition from when you're working with lawyers and numbers and figures and everybody in yeah. like Armani suits. And, yeah. um, you know, it's all online there. You know, we're all doing Zoom now, but when you were a financial lawyer, you're doing everything, you know, cross-jurisdictionally. And I had to be trained because I had to be trained to work with people who are, have real problems and have life problems. And I had to be trained to ask those questions, how I can help you. And you know, here, the Citizens Advice Bureau, I think might be a little bit different to what's in the UK, but ultimately people will come, used to come in and say, can you um, help me get a food bag? Uh, can you help me with an insurance claim? Uh, and it's about learning how to talk to these people and often people like myself would just go, this is what you do because we're corporate. So we, we tell people what to do. And it's actually not about <laughs> doing that. It's about actually empowering them to do it for themselves. Uh, to be very honest, I think maybe my parents would be happy if I was still a lawyer because there's that, you know, um, element of the guaranteed income, uh, which I think, you know, lots of people uh, do. But as you know, I've listened to a lot of your other podcasts and it's basically people who leave their job and decide to go and do good and decide yeah. to take their, those skills. I mean, those skills are really good in the corporate sector and you know, they, they do help people in a different way. But when, when you decide, actually, I want to come away from this guaranteed annual monthly income and do good, it's a big step. How'd you find the move to New Zealand? So the move to New Zealand has been a bit of a shock for me, I have to say, because part of the reason why I set up Ludo Consulting was um, because of, I'm really surprised by how much discrimination there is here. Uh, one of my clients, um, who's a principal of a private school, who's British actually, was saying to me, you know, here in New Zealand, was saying to me, you know, New Zealand is very good at marketing. Um, so the, the raw answer to how have I found my move to New Zealand, it's been a bit of a culture shock seeing how not egalitarian this the system is as is portrayed. Um, so and which is why I've set up Ludo Consulting. But aside from that, it's great to raise my kids in a culture that they're from because I think cultural identity is really important. And my husband being um, a New Zealander, uh, he was he moved here when he was two. He's, his father is South African. Um, you can't really do New Zealand elsewhere. 
I think, I think um, you know, one good thing about being Indian is that Indians, we do do our culture elsewhere. You know, when I go to the UK, we have all my Indian aunts and uncles, we have all the food, we have the language, you know, and I'm not really sure you can do New Zealand culture, food and language anywhere but New Zealand. Um, when you talk about it on the global level, um, so I set up Ludo Consulting in 2019, and that was just before COVID hit, right? And then as I say to people, George Floyd died and my phone rang. Basically, George Floyd has changed the landscape on so many levels globally. And we are still unpicking, I believe, as a world, what that means for us. Uh, I'm very careful to impart upon people in the United Kingdom to not let what happens in America overlay what happens in the United Kingdom. And part of my own decision, part of my own experience of living in New Zealand and having experienced racism myself has made me revisit uh, the history of slavery in the United Kingdom. And it's made me see how privileged I was being an Indian being raised in the UK, as opposed to if I was a person of um, African descent in the United Kingdom. Uh, so globally, sometimes the thing about George Floyd is, is that we tend to overlay America onto our own experiences. And I think we do that in New Zealand as well. We tend to overlay racism and slavery onto the, onto the situation of the Treaty of Waitangi which your, some of your, the UK listeners may not know is the founding document of, of New Zealand history and the, the source of contention between uh, Māori and Pākehā in New Zealand. So I think George Floyd has changed the landscape, but I think we have to be very careful how we unpick it. But for example, um, to go to randomly just choose the topic of yoga, I was really um, impressed by sweat, what Sweaty Betty did in the UK whereby Sweaty Betty, which you might know is the sports branding mark. Uh, they I do had, know that actually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they had, they had an issue where they realized they were, so this is three cultures merging now. They had an issue where they realized that they were using Indian Sanskrit words for yoga on their yoga attire. And they kind of had a reckoning thinking, oh, well, hang on a second. Maybe we shouldn't be using these sacred Sanskrit words on yoga attire because it's not appropriate. So then they released the statements where they were basically saying, you know, as a result of Black Lives Matter, we're having to think about our use of culture. And we've had, a re we've had a look that yoga is actually from a different culture and we've unconsciously appropriated these terms inappropriately on our clothing. Um, and that's great. That's, a, that's really, that's a great way of using what happened in America to what's happening in where you are and applying it to what you are doing, where you are doing it. Dinner table, that's where conversations need to be had really about race and racism. And so many people will say to me, oh, my kids are, we don't, we, we don't have a problem with racism. Uh, we, you know, we, we don't talk about race. My and they, they claim their children are racially innocent. And, um, no, you know, the statistics will tell you that children know it's better to be white age four. Um, and children build all their prejudices at an early age, not just against color. 
and it's up to us to talk to our kids and we can only talk to our children once we're educated about it. The answer is not in one day training courses. This is one thing that's quite different. I feel about the provision of my service in New Zealand. Um, I'm not about spending a day in your office with people having coffee and croissants and having training. What I'm about is being able to talk to you about discrimination how it feels, how you can look out for it, how you might be making people feel, how that affects team morale, how that affects people around you. And then I'm about you going on and explaining that to someone else. I'm not about giving a training session that's one way and that people just sit and listen and then tick a box. You get the most amazing people um, who just come back and say, actually, you know what? I have got a problem and I've got a problem with my staff because one set of staff don't really talk to the other set of staff and there's a division ethnically and I want to do something about it. Where do you go for your inspiration? There's a lot that you can learn from Barack Obama and Michelle Obama's journey towards racism and uh, away from racism, sorry, I should say. I was really touched by Ethwa Hirsch's book, British. I think British, uh, it, it, it's a fantastic book on, on the effects of racism in the, in the United Kingdom. Nella Larson wrote this book called Passing. I would, I, would, I would recommend that people read that because it's about the complex relationship between passing as white and presenting as white. And um, that's a really good book for people to understand how, how you present can actually make things different for you and remember in part of this conversation I said we need to go to be in a workplace where we don't have to conform we don't have to present as something that we're not and that was a pretty that was a quite a, a good book for me mm. um, and yes I mean it's mostly it's mostly books that I, I try to read um, I'm very much um, influenced by women who aren't scared to say to, to say what what they feel about things. I am hopeful, provided I'm able to actually keep doing the work I do, knowing that 20 or 30 years from now, if things aren't any better, I can turn back and say, well, at least I tried. Um, mm. So I'm only hopeful for the future because I hope that everyone else will be hopeful for the future too and make change for their children. Um, as well, because I really don't want to be discussing this 30 years from now. I really don't want to be discussing the issues of, of discrimination and exclusion and bullying and how it affects your mental health. I think we should be more intelligent than this so we can focus on other, other things that are going to help our kids get ahead. Um, and I feel, I feel that's a really good place to stop. Massive yes. thank you for... Um... A wonderful recording and um, really appreciate you joining purposely. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for listening to Purposely Podcast. I hope you like what you're hearing. Please subscribe and leave a review.